0: We serve a great big God, don't we? And he is good. I love hearing all the testimonies. We are doing a 21-day prayer breakthrough campaign. If you're not doing it, join us. It's not too late. Jump in and start praying and just believing that God is going to do major breakthroughs in each of us and in this body of Christ and in our community. Um, So we have a testimony this morning from our sweet little Ashley, and she's going to share with us some breakthroughs and some things that are going on for her.
1: Hi guys, how are you? Like Andrea said, my name is Ashley, and this is my sweet little daughter, Melanie. Um, And I'm just here wanting to share some things that God's really been working on my life in the past nine months. Um, So back in September of 2018, um, I found out I was pregnant, and I just, I felt no joy by this news. It was instantly, I had a rush of negative emotions. Daniel and I were in no position to be having more kids. Financially, it didn't make sense, and especially since we were still living with his parents. And just for me, emotionally, I had finally started really enjoying being Lance's mom and finally felt like there was a good place for me and him. Daniel and I were actually talking about maybe making the steps to make sure that Lance was an only child. But God had different plans for us. But still, it didn't change the fact that this was really hard for me emotionally. Once finding out that I was pregnant, I was filled with so much anxiety over what would happen in the future that I started having daily anxiety attacks. After having Lance, my first child, I had really bad depression and hid it for everybody for nine months before I opened up and got help. After seeking help, it took me until Lance was about a year and a half old before finally finding joy and truly loving him. And I was so worried and afraid that I would be dealing with the same thing all over again with the second baby. Then my pregnancy started getting really difficult. Around six weeks pregnancy, my doctor diagnosed me with threatened miscarriage. So from six to 15 weeks pregnant, I had daily bleeding and cramping, and at any moment I could have a miscarriage, and there was nothing that we could do about it. The enemy went to town with all the negative talks, and slowly I started slipping back into depression. Um, A few months back, the church hosted a worthy conference, and in the afternoon, I attended a class regarding anxiety, because, well, anxiety. (laughs) At the end of the class, we were supposed to pray for one another, but I do not want to be prayed for. I had allowed the enemy to make me believe that this battle was for my own to fight, and I had to pray by myself, and that I couldn't seek help. I used the excuse that I was pregnant and needed to pee to get away from the group, but was I was leaving to use the restroom, Donna came to me and started praying for me. And you guys, prayer is so powerful. Instantly, the chain started falling and immediately afterwards, and since then, I have only felt joy. There's not been a moment where I've been depressed. There's not been a moment that I've had anxiety. It's only been true, true joy. So, with Lance, by this point, I was already a mess, and I was already thinking the worst thoughts. But with Melanie, it's like a missing piece of our family that we didn't know was missing has been reunited with us. my, My heart and Daniel's heart has been just filled with so much love and joy. And I'm so grateful for Donna to have prayed over me, because we aren't meant to do things by ourselves. That's a lie from the enemy. We aren't meant to do this by ourselves. Where two or more are gathered, there is Jesus. And prayers can be answered. You aren't meant to fight this battle on your own. Get together with somebody who you could trust. Get up here. Our altar team, our prayer team that we have up here are true warriors. And they will help build you up. I'm really excited for what God's going to be doing in these remaining days as all of us as a church body are praying. And I can't wait to hear what God's doing in your own life, too. Thank you.
0: It's awesome to hear the testimonies, isn't it? That is so good. And we love hearing it. Thank you so much, Ashley. Keep praying, you guys. Keep praying. We want to hear your testimonies. Yes. Keep praying. All right. I love testimonies. Think of them as our stories of what God's doing in our life. All right, well, good morning. My name is JJ. If you don't know who I am, our pastors are away this week, so I get to share the Word with you this morning. And I have a a lot that I want to get through this morning, so uh, I was excited. Okay, let's... Uh, Let's get started. Um, I was thinking about the message and uh, God gave me this um, this phrase called a temporary lapse of judgment. Temporary lapse of judgment. Judgment. And I was thinking about that in my own life and thinking, hmm, have I ever had any temporary lapses of judgment? And I've had a few. I was thinking uh, whether it was riding on top of a hood of a car um, as I was going down the country road surfing I thought it was pretending pretend like I was surfing, being driven by my 12-year-old cousin, who earlier I had taught how to drive that day, so <laughs> faster, Chris, faster. Or um, in my 20s, when I worked for an air conditioning company, and uh, we were up on a, on a building servicing the unit, and got done with that, and, and instead of going back down the ladder, going over and going to the next one, I thought, hmm, if I could jump from here to the other building, so it saved me a lot of time and I was in a hurry. So grabbed my stuff, ran and jumped over from one building to the next. And, so, and then my last one, that was in my 20s, uh, uh, unfortunately, in my early 40s. Um, I, uh, someone stole my son's uh, wallet. And so uh, I, trying to find him, I found him. And, and all of a sudden I'm chasing this guy down a dark alley in the middle of the night. Stop! Stop! So Give me back my son's wallet. So again, lapses of judgment um we have all made them there's probably there's actually there's quite a few more that i could probably share with you but i'm not going to the whole point is that we've all made them at one point or one time or another in our lives and as i was thinking about this too like okay are there any people in the bible that have had a lapse of judgment and uh you know what there's no shortage of examples of people in the bible that have just really blown it and as i was reading about them too um, those who, who made a bad judgment call, I mean, there were some heavy-duty consequences in their life because of those. Um, and they happen all of a sudden, a lapse of judgment. In fact, lapse, the definition is a temporary failure of concentration. Right? Listen to these statements. If I just would have turned and walked away blank, Would have never have happened. Or if I just would have said no, fell in the blank. Or if I just would have gone up to my hotel room when the conference was over that evening, would have never have happened. Or if I just had stayed home like I planned to that evening, blank would have never have happened. So this morning I'm going to share with you some... um, some areas uh, where w- my goal is to, that we can have fewer if I just would have statements. And uh, I'm going to talk about three areas that play a key role in influencing our judgment. And those are our emotions, passivity, and impulsive or impulsivity. So let's, uh, let's get started. We'll start with um, our emotions. So our emotions, they are a natural, instinctive state of mind deriving from one's circumstances, their moods, or their relationships with others. So we all have them, whether we like it or not, whether we um, express them or not, we all have them. And we can easily fall victim to our emotions if we're not careful. You know, if it feels good, do it. No, no. Emotions are a gauge and not a guide, right? Emotions are necessary, but we are not to be led by our emotions. So let's read a few stories in the Bible. Um, if you turn with me to Numbers 20, Numbers 20, a little background just briefly. He, uh, this is a story about Moses, and Moses, as you know, he's leading the Israelites out of Egypt and into the Promised Land. And he has his brother Aaron helping him. Okay, Numbers 20. So depending on the translation that you have too in your Bible, um, the the title um, of one translation reads, uh, The Israelites are complaining again. Or another one reads, uh, Moses' error at Kadesh. So That kind of tells you what's going on here, right? Somebody's complaining and someone's going to make an error. Okay, verse 1. Um, of Numbers 20. It says, Then the entire community of Israel entered the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh. Miriam died and was buried there, Moses' sister. And there was no water for the community, and so they gathered themselves together against Moses and Aaron. The people contended with Moses, saying, If only we had died when our brothers died before the Lord. Okay, so like I said, the Israelites, they're not easy people to lead, right? They're, they're complainers, they're whiners. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that probably Moses is under a little bit of stress, right? He just buried his sister, so he's probably grieving. He's probably mourning the loss of his sister. Um, he has a lot on his plate right now. So what does he do? How does Moses respond, verse 6 says. So Moses and Aaron, they went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting. So they left the Israelites, and they go to seek the Lord. Then they threw themselves down with their faces to the ground, and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then, Moses, um, then the Lord spoke to Moses, say, take the staff and assemble the community, you and your brother Aaron, and then speak to the rock. Before their eyes, it will pour forth its water and, you'll, and you will bring water out of the rock for them and the whole community will be able to drink and they will feed, they're going to um, also give some water to their animals. So Moses and Aaron, they enter the tent of the meeting, they enter the Lord, they fall to the ground with their faces on the floor and immediately the Lord shows up. So God probably knew what Moses was under Right? He knew the stress that he was feeling. He probably knew he was in grief. So he's like, here you, go. here you go. Here's what you have to do, and here's what you have to say. Period. So let's see what happens. Verse 9. So Moses took the staff from the Lord, for the Lord, just as he had commanded him. Good job. He took the staff. He's on, he's, on, he's on track. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the community together in front of the rock, and he said to them, Listen, you rebels. Must we bring water out of this rock for you? Then Moses raises his hand, and he struck the rock twice and out poured water. Um, And so they drank. um, uh, The animals drank too. And then the Lord says to Moses and Aaron, Because you do not believe in me, to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. Okay, that's hard. What does Moses do? So again, he walks into the tent. The Lord speaks to him. He, gives, he instructs him what to do, to speak to the rock. And what does Moses do? He comes out. He yells at the crowd. He takes his staff and he beats the rock. And, uh, and, and so obviously he's angry. Right? He's angry. He's frustrated. Uh, maybe he's at his wits' end. I mean, he's been leading this group of people for a while. And so, and I, like I said, he's, they're not the easiest people to lead. So, have you, ever, um, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever been in the middle of something? You're so overwhelmed, you're stressed out, and you don't even realize how you're feeling. That's burnout. I've been there. I was just there a couple of weeks ago. So, do you know that um, at times when if you're burned out, you don't know it until it's too late? So, what this story is telling me is that it's like the, um, the light indicators on your dashboard in your vehicle, right? So, we have to be aware of our emotional indicator lights on our dashboard. So, Look at the gauges and be able to read them as signs of our emotional state. So, like your car, right? If the gauge is on E, probably time to fill up. Put some gas in there. Or if the fluids are low, you know, um, you got to put some fluids in. Or if the temperature is hot or cold, kind of get what I'm what I'm saying here. So these are indicators telling us that we need to do something. And similarly. We have to learn to read our eternal gauges. And here are a few indicators or emotions that can influence us and affect us um, or lead us to a lapse of judgment. And they are number one, anger, anger. I think Moses felt angry, right? He yelled at them, he called them rebels, he took his staff, he beat the rock. And the enemy is um, will keep trying to find ways to agitate us or to stir us in anger. What does the Bible say? Right? Be angry and do not sin. Right? Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give um, place to the devil. So anger, um, it's not a bad emotion in and of itself, right? but it can push us to lash out. It can push us to hurt others. Um, it can be dangerous if if we're not aware of it, right? If we don't deal with our anger, it can lead to resentment, it can lead to frustration, and then even bitterness can sneak in. So I've had to learn uh, to identify this inside myself before, uh, and learn to release the anger before it causes me to overheat. Number two, the next indicator is worry. Yes, um, a sense of uneasiness and anxiety about, usually about the future with worrying. I'm worrying about the future. The Israelites were worried. Uh, they were worried where the water would come from. And then they're worried they're going to die out there. Right? Matthew 6, 34 says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own set of worries. Right? There's enough troubles for today. So the scriptures tell us that worry is ultimately rooted in a lack of trust in god a lack of trust in god and his purposes so the israelites they became whiners why because they were so focused on their circumstances that they couldn't see god they couldn't see god they acted rudely they were harshly to moses but ultimately they were disobedient to god that's what it was when we worry our faith gets shaken a little Um, we can start to take matters into our own hands. We can start complaining. We we can start manipulating um, people to get what we want, the outcome that we're looking for, or we can just bury our head in the sand and we start to worry. Have you ever been so overwhelmed with worry that you made a bad judgment call? Yeah. Number three. Fear. Fear, it's similar to worry, except worry tends to be more about the future and fear is kind of more about the present, what's going on right now. And fear can paralyze us and it can keep us from moving forward. For instance, think about promotions that was spoken today. Um, Promotions that were never um, reached or never received because people were afraid to ask for it. I'm not saying that's what Dave was the case, but I'm saying somebody that can be afraid to ask for it. Or marriages, maybe um, that never took place because of a a shy guy with cold feet. He just didn't ask. Or um, even, you know, there's many examples, even things in my own life that didn't happen because I was just afraid to go and ask for it. So, um, But Psalms 56 says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, am not and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So fear can make us miss out, but it can also cause us to control. Right? We overreact to a situation if our fear gets the best of us. What do I mean by that? We can choose an unhealthy relationship, right, or stay with someone because we're uh, afraid to be alone but understanding fear and how it looks in our lives can actually safeguard our choices there's some healthy fears but when we trust in the lord we can face anything and we're learning about that in crash the chatterbox last last uh, Wednesday just putting a plug in for that um, this is why it's important to take notice of our emotional light indicators fear worry anger and there's others Uh, But learning to recognize these emotions and um, understand them so that you won't be under the influence of these emotions. You won't make a knee-jerk decision if you don't have to. Um, I believe that our awareness of these will help reduce. They're not going to go away, but it's going to reduce them, or I think, or even decrease them um, so that we'll make fewer judgment calls. You can say to yourself right now, I am not going to strike that rock, right? I know um, I'm not going to make a major decision until these emotions are under control, right? I will take every thought captive um, and, um, and make it obedient to Christ. Uh, being aware of or ruled by our emotions, they can cause a temporary lapse in judgment. Point number two, now I want to talk about Another key area that can cause some bad judgments those are that is passivity or being passive. And passivity is just accepting or allowing what happens, um, what happens or what others do, without any resistance or without any response. I'm just letting it happen. Let's look at this quote: "Laziness is not the passivity it pretends to be." That's not. Yeah, thank you. Um, It is an active obedience to something other than Jesus Christ. So, did you know that being passive, that is a choice? That is a choice. Another familiar passage in the Bible I want to share with you is 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. If you'll turn there, this is where we hear the story of David and Bathsheba. There's a lot in that story. Um, okay, verse 1. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Amorites. They destroyed the Amorites' army and laid siege to the city of Rahab. However, David stayed behind in, Jer- in Jerusalem. That decision right there, to stay behind in Jerusalem, set in motion a series of unfortunate events. And we don't know why he didn't go. It just says in the time when kings normally go, he stayed. For some reason, David didn't want to go off to war. I mean, maybe he was tired. Maybe it's there's a lot. I mean, he's tired of all the fighting. He, um, so maybe there's a physical laziness, or maybe it was mental. He was worn out from all the day-to-day responsibility of, of being king. I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of responsibility there. But, or maybe he just wanted to stay behind and just veg out and chill out at the palace. I mean, I'm just going to stay here. i just going to hang out for a while. But um, in chapter 10 of 2 Samuel, the Bible says that David had just defeated the Amorites and the Syrians, and in verse 18 of chapter 10, it says that him and his army killed 700 charioteers and 40,000 horsemen. So maybe, I was wondering, maybe if he's, he's kind of like on a career high right now, where he's like, hey, you know, I'm just gonna take a pass. I'm just gonna sit back and I'm just gonna coast on my success. And then what happens? That's when pride can sneak in. We have to be careful not to let our guard down, right? We don't ever um, want to think that we've arrived or um, to the point to where we choose to disengage. So we don't want to disengage. Um, to take a pass on life. And please don't ever think, well, that's not going to happen to me. Because pride, along with being passive, with passivity, that is a deadly combination. And what's that Scripture. Pride comes before the fall, and David he fell hard. He fell hard. Whatever the reason, though, David knew what he was supposed to do. Right? He knew his role as king. He knew, um, but he chose not to go. He chose to stay there. And I mean, for me, I know there are times in my life when I feel comfortable, and I get maybe a little too comfortable. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to read my Bible. Um, I don't want to put in maybe the extra effort at work that it takes. Um, I don't want to put in the extra effort that it takes to you know, keep my marriage in place, my relationships uh, with my kids. It takes effort, it takes time. We can um, become passive. Um, but I can almost get lethargic. Lethargic and be almost like a bystander kind of in my own life story, just kind of watching life go by. And that's dangerous. Ephesians 5, uh, 15 through 17 says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So, David, he made a bad judgment call, obviously, to stay behind and let Joab lead the Israelite army on his behalf. And staying behind left him very vulnerable. He was alone. He was bored. He was tempted by his flesh. We'll see that. Verse 2. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof... He saw a woman bathing. This woman was very beautiful. So interesting that David was up from his bed. Why did he get up from his bed? What was going on inside of him? Was he dissatisfied? Was he feeling maybe a little guilty that he's not where he he should be? He should be out there with the army? I don't know. Read verse 3. And David sent someone, this is now this, this lady, he sent someone to find out about her. So the man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. And then he sent her home and then she sends word saying, I'm pregnant. Not the message that David wanted to hear. So because of David's passivity, because he stayed behind, he left himself open, right? And stumbled into the trap of the enemy right there. He now he had choices, right? First he could have gone back to bed when he woke up. Okay, I'm going to go back to bed. Right? He could have said, "Oh, he could have heard his servant when he, whenever the servant said she's married, but he chose not to. Um, he ends up digging himself deeper and deeper and deeper into a hole, which includes him trying to cover up some sin, and which led to more bad decisions uh, in his life. I mean, it's, it is a mess. <laughs> that story, it's a mess. However, and I wish it was. this story is not uh, um, an experience that's just exclusive to David. We too. And find ourselves being lazy and um, being lulled into, uh, into a comfortable, numb place, right? And then later realize that we're in the pit now and we're scrambling ourselves to try and get out of this mess that we found ourselves in. Uh, the longer you stay at rest, the harder it is to get moving. The longer you stay at rest, the harder it is to get moving. Even think about that morning when you got out of bed. I mean, you don't want to get out of bed. I mean, that could be the hardest thing you do all day is get out of bed for different reasons. Uh, you can't, or, or you're just tired and you want to sleep. Or um, think about that story of the frog in the pot of water, right? So the, um, because um, he doesn't think it's dangerous, he's lulled into a, sense, uh, a false sense of security. As the water you know, warms up, he gets used to it until it becomes too late and he's boiled all right Um, and the last point i want to make is um, about being impulsive impulsivity it's the tendency to act on a whim To act on a whim displaying a behavior characterized by little consideration of consequences little consideration of consequences those three examples i gave you in the very beginning a little consideration of consequences. Uh, in most cases, there's almost no time gap from, um, from when the idea first occurred to when the person acts on it. So um, you might have heard this saying, oh, he flies by the seat of his pants. All right, just making a decision. You have an idea, you think, it's, um, you think it's right, it feels good, it feels exciting in the moment, but that's not a green light to go forward necessarily down that road. Right, the Apostle Peter. Very good example, where uh, someone—he's actually—he's a perfect example. He always made impulsive decisions. He's putting his foot in his mouth, um, just reacting without thinking things through. Psalm twenty-seven says, "Wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage." Yes, wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Isaiah 40 says, part A, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, shall renew their strength. It takes courage to wait. It builds our strength and it renews us. So when you're always having to act immediately, it appears as if everything depends on you. All right? I have to act now. If I don't act now, my whole life's going to fall apart. If I don't move now, I'm going to lose everything. That attitude suggests that we have no faith in God and that he has the ability to hold whatever that thing is that you think you're going to lose in place. God can do that. Let's look at another story, the last one today. Uh, In Genesis 25. Genesis chapter 25. We see the story of Esau who gives up his birthrights. Genesis 25 and starts on verse 29. Okay, one day Jacob was cooking some stew. When Esau came home hungry and said, I'm starving to death. Give me some of that red stew right now. Jacob replied, Sell me your rights as the firstborn son. I'm about to die, Esau answered. What good will those rights do me? But Jacob insisted, promise me your birthrights here and now. And that's what Esau did. So the story always sounds a little kind of crazy, right? That Esau was that hungry that he gave up his birthrights as a firstborn son. I mean, come on, Esau. Make yourself a sandwich. And believe me, about 10 minutes, you're going to feel fine. It's not that big of a deal. But... Because he gave up those birthrights. This is what he was given up according to Jewish customs. The firstborn had some special privileges. Right? He gave up uh, being a priest. He gave up his authority as head over the whole family. He gave up his right to a double portion of his father's estate. He gave up his power. I mean, who would do such a thing? Right? Ten minutes Ten minutes of an impulsive decision can have severe consequences on his life. If Esau would have kept his birthrights, listen to this, our Bibles would say this, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, and I am the God of Esau. It doesn't. It says, I am the God of Jacob. It seems like no one in his or her right mind would do such a thing. Or would they? Is it that far-fetched, really? Culture um, usually entices us to indulge ourselves, right? One more moment of pleasure, one more momentary high, or just one night of partying. Or how about an evening of pleasure that destroys a 20-year marriage for a one-night stand? a one-night affair. So we do understand this, right? We understand this type of impulsivity. It can happen to any of us, especially under the right circumstances. We can all fall. In First Thessalonians 5, verse 6, it says, So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. So contrary to what our impulsive urges are telling us, we need to learn self-control and wait on the Lord, right? Impulsive decisions can have lasting effects on our lives. Exactly. Um, Yeah, Do do yourself a favor. Make yourself a sandwich. And um, under no circumstances, do not give up your birthrights, okay? We aren't perfect, and I know that. I know that. But my prayer is that we would have fewer lapses of judgment, right? If we take personal inventory, what is our emotional dashboard telling us? What are the indicators? Our emotions are there for a reason. We need to look at them. Be aware of them so that they don't get the best of us. If you don't pay attention when the gas light comes on, what's going to happen? You're going to find yourself on the side of the road. Right? Or if you ignore the temp gauge, the vehicle is going to overheat. Right? Ask God to search you and show you if you have any, one, unresolved anger. Don't have any, any uh, unresolved anger. I'm not going to strike the rock. I'm gonna, I can be angry, but I'm not going to sin. Or two, are you struggling with worry? Declare today I will trust God and his purposes. I know where my water comes from. I know where it comes from. Or maybe you feel you need to address fear today. Um, when I am afraid, I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. Right? No more life events are going to be missed because of fear. I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. I'm going to resist passivity. I'm going to get engaged. I'm going to get engaged. I'm not going to stay behind in Jerusalem with David. Right? I'm going to make a plan and I'm going to follow through with that plan. I'm going to shake off the complacency, the areas of complacency in my life. And lastly, don't be impulsive. Right? Time is your friend, right? It's not your enemy. Wait on the Lord. Um, in my life, I'm still learning to press that pause button. I'm still learning. I'm, I'm more aware of it these days now. Um, I'm, uh, I, I hope that be, um, with, with, these, uh, with the pause button, I'm trying to make fewer um, emotional decisions. I'm trying to be aware if I'm feeling numb inside, that's something, an indicator for me. I believe with all my heart, though, that if you are deliberate, that if you um, are prayerful and you seek the Holy Spirit, He will um, reveal, I think, a deeper sense of clarity in your decisions, just as He has in mind. I want to assure you right now, I want to encourage you if you've blown it, if you made a bad judgment call, Either a few years ago, a few months ago, a few days ago, yesterday. You know, it's, it's okay. Meaning that don't let the enemy mock you. Don't let him mock you. All you have to do in 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so God offers all of us right the gift of repentance it's his kindness that leads us to repentance and I went in with Romans 8 verses 38 and 39 it's almost like a it's a promise from God here it says for I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons